right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Unashamed. I'm Elliot Engen, and I'm running in District 38B for Minnesota House. And today I'm, I'm really pleased to be sitting down with now our endorsed Republican candidate here in CD4, Shia Lowe. Yep. <clears throat> Shia, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing great, uh, Elliot, and thank you for uh, allowing me to uh, come on, on the, this podcast show yeah. and get the message out to uh, the voters in CD4. Um, what I stand for, where I'm from, and why I'm running. So I'm excited to uh, share that with you this evening. Well, that's perfect. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm enamored by your story. I love it. Right. I think it's a story of resiliency. Thank you. It, it goes to show that the American dream is alive and well, and you are you are pure representation of that. So let's dive right into it. Tell sure. tell the listeners a little bit about <clears throat> yourself, where you're from, your background, because I think it's so so vital. Yes, and so uh, I came to the U.S. when I was 10 years old. Um, but before that, uh, inside of Laos, I witnessed um, a lot of fighting. And so, um, as I uh, already told a lot of people, um, the Hmong were a freedom fighter for the United States during the Vietnam War. We fought the secret war inside of Laos. And in that effort, we lost 30% of our population. So I grew up witnessing uh, killing and uh, watching bullets uh, light up the sky at nighttime and being afraid whether or not my dad is going to uh, be killed or my brothers or uh, sister is going to be killed um, during the war. And then, of course, uh, um, we lost that uh, war in 1975, yeah. and that's why we left Laos when the communists actually took over the country. And the United States really decided to pull out of um, uh, the Vietnam War, and that's why uh, we lost the war. It was not because we did not want to fight. We were... Um, doing a great job uh, yeah. holding our own. Uh, we fought the uh, North Vietnamese communists to 15 years, uh, standing still without losing our, our ground. In other words, we held our own. We only lost the war in Laos to the communists because the United States pulled out of the war. And uh, so I want the listening to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came over here when I was 10 years old. Um, and uh, we were sponsored by six different uh, church denominations. So every Sunday, uh, we go to a different church. And, you know, so we go to a Catholic church and the baptism. We didn't understand why you have six. You know, right. when, 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 the, when everyone sings the same songs and yeah. uh, read the same Bible. But now I understand that uh, different strokes for different folks, I suppose. Right. And so now I understand that better. But uh, grew up in um, St. Paul. Um, and back in 1978, and uh, uh, went to Johnson Senior High. Yeah. Um, graduated from there with honors. I uh, went and attended North Park University of Chicago. Um, after that, I came back to uh, the law school here in um, in St. Paul, um, Hamlin University Law School. Now it's Mitchell Hamlin. It is, yeah, they yes. just changed that. Yep, yeah. and then, uh, of course, then I got married to the love of my life, and we have four beautiful children. And we currently live in White Bear Lake. Love it. Uh, in in love love White Bear. Uh, love the city, and we spend a lot of time at the uh, Lifetime um, uh, Fitness Same here. Club. Same here. Yeah, um, you know, staying in shape and and taking away stress. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's a little bit about me in terms of work. Right. Uh, I've been an attorney for 20 years, and I've worked at all level of government. And so from the city to the county to the state to the federal, um, all level of government, I'm a former prosecutor. I actually lead the um, criminal division for the city of St. Paul. Um, and I'm also a prosecutor for the county as well. 
Um, but for the last 15 years, I'm a general litigator. That means I handle a lot of cases in and out of courts, and right. I took lots of depositions and uh, the uh, skills that I've learned that will serve me very well in this new role that I'm going to be in Congress. Of course. Well, that's great. I did, like I said, that's a yeah. that's a story of resiliency. That's a story of self-made worth. Yes. That's so awesome to hear, and I should be taking notes from you because <laughs> I was planning on going to law school straight out of you undergrad, would do great. but now I'm doing yeah. this. So, so this is great. Well. What made you decide to run? Just off the cuff, what what really made you feel that this is something that you needed to do? <clears throat> yep. So I've spent a lot of uh, um, my life uh, serving people um, as a lawyer, as a prosecutor, or as a defense attorney, or working at a non serving in nonprofits, right? Um, but uh, uh, to me, it's a matter of timing. Um, my children. Um, have uh, some most have grown and, and flown the nest, and right. uh, I have a 13 year old now. So I I think that it is uh, time for me to give back to America, what America has given me, and that is American has given me the American dream, and uh, I so much appreciate that. I I, um, I I tell people I appreciate the freedoms I have in this country, uh, because I'm from a communist country where I actually lost. Uh, we lost our freedom. Right, and I and, want to talk about that too, because that's so, so vital. Yes, yeah. and so it's the freedom that I love mm -hmm. that I want to protect now. And I want to give back to America what she's given me, and I want to protect that freedom. That is why I'm running. I'm also running because we need new ideas and new leaders in D.C. to tackle new challenges that, the Amer that America is facing, like this COVID-19, or other um, new challenges that America is facing. And so that is... Uh, those are the two main reasons as to why I'm running. Well, that's that's great. And I want to kind of dive back into something that you said prior, and that's that you had to flee communism. You had to flee big government, an autocracy that really sought to ensure that people were always subject to what the government wanted. And so we're seeing right now is a, a large-scale growth within our own society where people are actually advocating for this. I, I always bring up the fact that 44% of, of millennials they actually say that they want socialism. But if you ask those same millennials if they want, if they trust the government, mm -hmm. overwhelmingly, like 89% say that they don't trust the government. So that's right. such an oxymoron. And you, you can really attest to the fact that this this destroys countries. Yeah, co correct. And, and government has a place. But to the millennials, um, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> exactly. Because you'll get what you ask for. Right. And you may not be able to ever take it back. Mm -hmm. Because... Uh, you know, what we're going through right now, I want people that are listening, you need to understand, this is what it feels like when the communists took over our country, okay? You are locked in your home, they take away your guns, and everything that you do and say must be okay by the government, mm -hmm. okay? America gets a little taste of what happens when you have complete government control, like a you know, stay-home order, right? right? You can't even... You can't golf. You play, can't take, play tennis, right? Can't do anything. Everything needs to be authorized and sanctioned by the government. Well, in, in a communist country, it, it's not temporary like this, mm -hmm. right? It's not 30 days, right? <laughs> it's forever. Yeah. It's forever. Yep. Everything that you do needs to be okay by the government. And the government doesn't say whatever. Uh, they decide what you can do, what right, I right. can do. And so you, you lose that freedom. But once we lose it, like what we're losing temporarily right now, how are we going to get it back? That's exactly it. Right? That's exactly yeah, it. Yeah, and, and, and so be careful what you ask for because once you give your power to the government and the government has the control, 
it's very difficult for the government to relinquish that power back to the people and allow you to have your freedom. Um, that's a message I want to send to the millennial, that be careful what you ask for. Um, I, I say if you, you really don't understand the freedom in America, go and live in a communist country first. Go to North Korea. Okay, go up there and go live in North Korea for a year. And you tell me if you want to live there or you live here. Because in North Korea and in China, it's complete no. government control. Yep. Right? And yes, they can, they can uh, stop the COVID uh, infection. Uh, but do you trust that they did that? Right. I mean, there, is there any transparency that we're going to trust now that a communist country like North Korea or China actually uh, stopped the in infection rate? Uh, especially uh, as we look at the World Health Organization right now, right. who's championing China, yes. right? They're parroting exactly literal propaganda. It's it, it's it, ridiculous, it, it, it's and I want to speak scary. about that a little bit yes. because if if we look at what's happening right now, we know that communist autocracies they they seek to do one thing only, and that's save face. Yes. So that's what China did in this sense, right? Mm -hmm. They tried saving face, and every single year I want to remind people that when we're assessing GDP growth yes. on, a, on a federal level, we need to actually assign workers to see what that actual GDP level is because right. they'll, they'll lie time and time again about it. Right. And then they did this with a pandemic. They tell mm -hmm. us that there's no deaths, that there's yeah. no more transmission. But we have to look into their, their funeral homes and see how many urns they're purchasing right. to get a, an accurate representation of how many yes. people are actually dying. And one other thing that I want to expand upon, too, that mm -hmm. you might have something to say about is people say overwhelmingly in this country that oh, capitalism is, is forcing people into poverty. And I just I want to reject that right now. And the UN poverty scale, I want to remind people, is $1.96 a day. Mm -hmm. So when you look at China's poverty levels, yeah, there's something close to 2%, right? Mm -hmm. 2 or 3%. Yep. The poverty level here in, in the United States is $32. Mm -hmm. We had to create our own scale because we're so wealthy. Yes. And so I want, to, I want to talk about that and how we're really, really close to starting to accept some of these ideas that have really brought down nations. <coughs> so... Yeah. Talk so my thoughts on capitalism, um, it is uh, the best system mm -hmm. in terms of uh, turning the best product and the best people. So I would uh, compare that to why do we watch the Super Bowl? <laughs> you, we watch the Super Bowl because it's fair competition and the best of the best comes out. That's why you and I watch, right? right. If you want to join the Minnesota Vikings, you need to be the best player. Before before we watch you, that's why we that's why we support the Vikings right. because we actually go out there. Although we have not won the Super Bowl yet, right? But maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe uh, we'll, we'll we'll do that someday. But we have the opportunity to pick the best players possible from college competition, fair competition, mm -hmm. into the professional team. And then when they when the professional teams are playing with each other, we have good referees that watch them to make sure the play is fair, not over referees, right? That's exactly. Yeah. And then we have instant replay to make sure that people are not cheating. That a touchdown is really a touchdown and not a foul, right? right, right. We, that's what true and true and pure competition has produced. The best of the best, having the world champion truly be on it. Why do we? respect the Kansas City Chief so much when they win the Super Bowl because they went through the fair system and the best competition. And, they won. and you got the referee out there watching to make sure that everybody followed the rules and you still win. 
That's right? perfect. That's, that's what perfect. we want. Yeah. That's capitalism. You can use that same thing in the cars that we're driving right now, right? You and I get to drive good cars because of competition. We allow corporations, Toyota, Honda, Chevy, Ford to compete to build the best vehicle possible, right? That's American progress. Right? That's, America. that's true. That's American capitalism. Yeah. We allow companies to compete to build the best vehicle and yet is most affordable. Right. You and I are able to drive some of the best car around the world because we allow competition to thrive. Some people may say, well, we don't want capitalism because, you know, it's, uh, it supports uh, uh, only the wealthy. It supports, uh, um, um, you know, it, it, it creates the poor. Right. Um, people that, have all these platitudes that they say. Uh, correct. And, and they but, never really work. Yeah, yeah. But, but here in America, even with competition, we're the most... Uh, giving right, you oh, know the course. super pl football players, um, uh, corporate CEO, they donate a, a, a ton of money. Mm -hmm. uh, look at what Bill Gates is doing. Like the the uh, owner of Facebook donated all his money. Right, that's capitalism. Right, in effect, in, in effect. effect, and in capitalism, allow their these uh, CEO to compete mm -hmm. in the best country of the world, become successful, and turns around. And take care of those other of those that are uh, not able to take care of themselves. And there are people like that in 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 our country. Right. And and as as conservative, we don't say, well, you know, we're here only here for the best of the past. We're here for everyone, but we understand about the best of the best because we need to compete, not only here in America but yeah. around the world. I want to talk so about that I'm, a little I bit. Mean, That's perfect. I mean, complete support yeah. of. A competition and it is competition that made America the envy of the world. Oh, that's exactly it. And I want to talk about that a little bit with healthcare because healthcare yes. is going to be something that's so important, especially this election cycle coming out of a, a crisis like COVID. People say, well, this is going to be the time to advocate for single-payer health care system. This is going to be the time that we want to have Medicare for all. And I want to push back against that. I want to, I want to remind people that 50% of innovative medical practices mm -hmm. are found here. Yes. They're found here because of one driving factor, right. and that is the incentive that comes with having that breakthrough medicine, mm -hmm. with finding the cure for something like right. polio, AIDS, HPV. There's, there's some crazy, awesome medical practices that go on yep. here. And that's because we have the incentive to do so. Right. So, so many countries are reliant upon our studies, our findings. And if we were to move to a, to a Medicare for all system, I want to remind people too that it's access to a waiting list is not access to care. Correct. And that's what we would, in effect, be creating. So right. I, let's let's talk about so, that right and now. And it goes I, completely uh, against it. Right. Elliot and I support what you're, you're, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, the way I see it, why Affordable Care Act is not affordable? Yeah. Because you got rid of competition, right? Now you have one gigantic company making cars. Right. Imagine that. If Toyota is the only uh, company that's allowed to manufacture They're cars. They're going to get worse. Okay, then are we <laughs> going to be able to afford cars? Absolutely no, not. No. Because there's, there's no competition. There's crowding out. Competition crowding brings out. down cost. Yep. They understand that. And so it's the same answer I would give to um, um, the previous uh, question that you asked about uh, whether or not the government can actually do it or competition. And the answer um, that it's I want to give is, it's always competition, right? Right? It's competition to give, give us the best football players, competition give us the best car, and it's going to take competition to give us the best medical health care system out there. The best for, for, the, for the most affordable. Mm -hmm. That, that uh, Obamacare, uh, unfortunately, 
I got rid of competition. It was a guise for single yeah. payer. Yeah, and so it now it's no longer affordable. Right. I mean, the premium itself costs more than a mortgage. Yeah. How's people supposed to afford uh, afford that? You have to allow competition back into the game. That's the only way that we're going to be able to drive costs because we know the competition has worked at elsewhere. It will work in this system the same way. Yeah, and that's why I want to talk to you a little bit about the direct primary care model. If it's something that you've looked at, um, it's something that I definitely advocate for. And right now, we don't have an issue with... with um, our, our quality of care here in the United States. You know, I take a look at the fact that 300,000 Canadians annually come to Minnesota, come to yeah. uh, the Mayo Clinic, come to everywhere in the United States for care because yeah. we know that we have the best, most innovative practices yep. in the world. But what, what it really comes down to is affordability. Yes. How are we going to make it more affordable? And I would say, you know, we need to bring back doctor-patient relations. We've heard that time and time again, but how do we do it? Well, we need to take insurance companies, which which... We, we, there's there's a fine line between we don't want corporations to profit solely off of healthcare, right. and we don't want we don't want healthcare to simply be mandated by the government. We don't right. we don't want either of those. Right. So how do we how do we find that that middle ground where we provide safety nets for people, yep. while at the same time ensuring that people have good quality so, hair, yep. care? So to me, I go back to the football game so everyone understands. Yeah, right? yeah. We need referees. Yep. That means enough referees, good referees, to make sure that the game is played fairly. Yeah. Right, because in competition, if you don't have uh, good referees and check and balance, be a bad game. Then, then people are tripping each other. Yep. They're cheating, and they're, you know, I mean, they're they're tripping people out right. there, right? And they're 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 um, although they dropped the ball, they picked it up, and they say that they didn't, and it was in not any violation. Play, it was foul play. You commit frauds, okay? Because in competition, if you don't have good referees, you're gonna get fraud. You're gonna get cheats. And that's what hurts the system. Right. So we get we need good referees in order for us to have fair competition. The same way when you regulate the healthcare system, we allow company and insurance and doctors and clinic and hospital to compete for our services. Mm -hmm. But then you get good referees that you want to make sure that these people are not committing fraud. That's exactly right. It. And I want to say and that's a bad referee. The, the, yeah. yeah, a bad referees are bad China. Referee. We can go back to that even. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, right? I'm turn it on. Yeah. But, but we have ninety percent of our drugs, our pharmaceuticals are coming from China. Yes. We need to bring those back. Yes. It is so imperative, especially at a time like right now where we're watching them hoard <laughs> PPE. Yep. I mean, this is so vital that yeah. we, we bring back it to, 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 to yeah. America where it was made. It was yeah, but, founded. Yeah, but, but uh, here's what's happened, right? So how did how did these uh, a drug company ends up in China? Okay, because you don't have fair competition. Right. The Chinese underbid us. They buy our company. And they uh, purchased, they, they subsidized their company, and so they are able to buy and sell cheaper, and right. it kills all of our company. In other words, you got uh, teams that are cheating, mm -hmm. no referees, right? So all our companies trying to compete fairly cannot compete. No. If you and I play a fair game and they're cheating, we're, not, we're probably going to lose, right? right? That's what happened in this case. How China end up with all of our drugs and our company because they're not playing fair. That's exactly right. what I highlight. And, and yeah. so if they're not fair, we need to understand that, that China is not playing a fair game. That's why we're losing. We must bring in referee and better competition. We must bring our drug company back into this country. Because look at this COVID virus attack, right? Are we going to be um, trusting um, China, who doesn't play by the rules, that they're going to give us our drugs? The, the drug medication that we need, we should understand better. And under whose watch did this happen? I'm going to say my, my opponent, McCollum, 
Yeah. Uh, she did nothing, right? Uh, under her watch for the last 20 years. Now we lost all our medication. Right. She ought to be held accountable for that. Or Joe Biden, who, who, who now wants to run. Right but now. yeah, he <laughs> said, well, you know, I mean, uh, he's going to be tougher on China. No, no, you weren't. Okay, you, for eight years, you, you allowed Chinese to take control of our medication right now, okay? Right. You didn't do anything with fair trade. It's the president that is standing up to China. It's the president that is holding China accountable. It's, it's the president that is ho- world, holding uh, World Health Organization accountable. No, uh, and, and, and if it was up to Biden, um, nothing. N- nothing would, would get done. Right. Um, he probably praised the World Health Organization and praised China for doing such a good job of con- containing, although uh, there's no verification that they're actually doing what they're doing. Um, that's the... Um, you know, you, the the key decision we need to make in 2020. Right. Right. The right. stake in 2020 is about whether or not we're going to reelect a president that took an economy that was dying and then bring it in only three years to the best economy. More jobs were created, more people employed, and lowest unemployment anywhere uh off the chart, right? Right. right but, but yeah, until this COVID everybody. attack, yeah. right? If, if, he's, he, if he's able to bring it from almost zero to where uh, it was uh, before this uh, COVID uh, virus attack, he has the ability, mm-hmm. okay? Then are, you, are we going to give that power to a, uh, his opponent, um, Biden, um, who, who has done none of that? Well, and I want okay? to talk about that a little and bit so, with the World Health Organization. Going back to that. I want to talk about that just a tad sure. bit because the World Health Organization, I actually caught some flack for this a little bit right. a while back. I said, listen, why are we parroting their stats, their data with with this COVID crisis? Because it, Representative Dean Phillips, he actually put out a, a tweet a while back that's saying cutting funding to the World Health Organization during this crisis mm-hmm. is like cutting funding to a fire department in the middle of an inferno. Mm-hmm. And I finished it for him. I, 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 I finished that tweet yes. for him. I said, it was as if the firefighters were telling us that it was a bonfire. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't become transparent with the numbers. They said as of late January that this wasn't transmissible human to human, mm-hmm. and they constantly allow China to get away with these atrocities. And COVID being one of them. COVID being one of them. Yep. The Chinese knew that this was happening under their watch. They let five million people mm-hmm. travel in and out of Wuhan yes. all throughout November and December. Yes. And so we're watching and we're seeing as. Governments that have that control are able mm-hmm. are able to deceit the world, right? And that's under a guise of saving face, right? So it's so imperative that in 2020 we recognize that this is about bringing America first agendas back to our country and back to our state, right? I mean, at my level, I'm trying to make sure that that our district, that our state, yep. is capable of handling things like this if it ever happens again, right? And the way that we want to do that, probably at the local level. All right. politics is local. I want to yep. remind people of that. We need to have politics be local and not always a globalist agenda. There's no such thing as a globalist in right. the middle of a pandemic. Right. I'll tell you that. <clears throat> so uh, the World Ho- uh, for to the to our listener, the World Health Organization cannot be trusted. Right. If you look at the latest investigation that's coming out of the World Health Organization, um, they were praising China. Right. They were they were saying they the that the Chinese are doing everything possible, and that uh, they ought to be, um, they ought to get, get in a war, patting yeah. them on the on the back. Um, but then, 
um, when we dive into what they actually did and that they withheld information and that they didn't um, do what is best for the world. They were mm -hmm. doing what is best for China and that China actually has an influence in the World Health Organization. Um, the president um, did what we had to do. Um, yes, um, we should not, um, you know, uh, cut the funding for the firefighter. Right. But when the firefighter is actually setting fire on other houses, we ought to do that. We ought to do something. And I'm about glad it. that the president right. um, is strong enough, and our country is the only country in the world that says, you know, um, shame on you, and uh, we, you ought to be punished for this. Okay? And there's nothing that the World Organization, um, the WHO, is doing right now that is going to be able to somehow prevent the spread right. of the virus already. That's what I it's, keep hearing. It's, it's yeah. already out there. It is. So, so yeah. we are, it's all about containment right now. And if it's about countries' containment, then, uh, you know, um, we need to send them a message. Mm -hmm. And a message is to really hurt them when, uh, when they when they did something stupid like this. Right, that it, exactly. That, yeah. uh, that we're not going to stand by and, and watch you. Oh, oh, wow, you did a horrible thing, but uh, we really need you to... You, we still need you, so you know what? We're going to continue to funding for somebody. <laughs> I mean, what kind of message are we sending? I think the president sends the proper message, uh, correct message, and uh, and we're still doing everything, um, helping other countries. We didn't, we didn't, you know, um, hurt the world, uh, cut the funding for the, the World Health Organization, and then not help other country. Mm -hmm. You know, we're sending ventilator, we're sending everything to help the the world the same way. So. Uh, uh, I support the president on, on, on that decision, and uh, um, the World Organization need to be punished. They did. Period. They wrote that period. You said yep. it best. And I want to talk a little bit about, more about COVID-19 and our response to it yep. and how, how it's been handled. Yep. And, it, you know, I think the president did something that was extremely important for viewers to know, is that federalism is the basis that localities have the best means of tackling issues. Yes. And like I, I go back to that statement, pol politics is all local. Who's best equipped to handle issues? Those that are really involved in it. Yes. So on a, on a federal level, I'm sure that you agree with the president on that. Yes. 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 And that's exactly how it is here in the state. Mm -hmm. We need to have that same that same authority statewide. So Governor Walls obviously has uh, furthered that uh, that um, executive order to to mandate the stay at home. And I want to talk a little bit bit about that because. There's obviously been pushback as of recent, and why, why is it that, that, that businesses and families and people are really, they've, they've shattered livelihoods, but nobody in those localities were brought to the table. Municipalities, county heads, these people weren't brought to the table in these discussions, mm -hmm. and that's, that's troublesome. So at a federal level, you can see how it works, and at a state level, we can see how it would be problematic if we don't involve the people who are closest to the issues. Yeah, I agreed, and uh, so um, in this country, the way I see it is, um, it, it's a free country, mm -hmm. and that means that everyone needs to do their part. That means that the federal government can only do certain things at the federal level. And that the state need to be just as prepared for pandemic right. and not wait around and go, oh, by the way, it's all the, you know, the president, it's the federal that should have done anything. Okay? <laughs> I think we it's allow, so yeah, it's, it's right. So Everybody has a role, right? Right. Going back to the game, right? You quarterback, quarter, the quarterback, the coach, the, the, the running back, the linesman, they all, everyone has a role. Right. And in this pandemic, everyone needs to do their, their part. I don't see that. I see everyone here 
blaming the coach for right, everything. Right. Right. And, and I, I say, you know, coach, you, you how come you didn't do this play? And and you know, you 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 shouldn't have. It's it's um, I know a Monday Monday morning quarterback, that's right? Exactly. Right. It's Monday morning faith. quarterback. It's in bad faith. Hey, you know, yeah. you should have done this. You should have. How come you didn't do that? But what about you? Okay. What about the state of Minnesota? What is our governor governor doing to make sure that Minnesota is prepared? How come Minnesota is not prepared? We can ask the same question. How come Minnesota doesn't have the number of ventilator when we already have SARS and other pandemic? Why do you blame the federal government so much that the federal government should do everything for us? That's yeah, right. That's and so, exactly. to, so to me, I'm saying in this um, a pandemic attack, everyone need to do their fair. So when we look at the president, um, my two cents about what the president has done, he um, acted immediately, okay, against the world. Um, remember when he put the the he stopped the flights from coming from China right. and, and Europe? Everybody was screaming like, "Oh, what Xenophobia are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? How, why are you stopping flights to your country?" All right? He stopped it, mm-hmm. and and surely enough, he was right. He he called he called off. Uh, he, he called the attack and said, hey, you know, we, we need to do what we need to do to protect our country. What, what would he do next? He brought all of the top experts together and assembled a team. Then he brought all the companies together and made sure that the best company are, are uh, manufacturing um, items like uh, masks and gloves that we need, like 3Ms. He brought all the top companies together. He brought all the pharmaceutical companies together. Now the pharmaceutical companies are competing to create a cure. Now all the companies are building all the product that we, with, that we are manufacturing in a coordinated effort at the federal level, right? Right. Now it's up to, for the state to go and get these items. And I, I still see people screaming, go, how come you don't send it to us? I say, you need, the president is saying, you gotta do your part. Right. Every state, you need to do your part. And Como in New York, him especially, he scream oh a lot. But I want to know, Colin, what did you do to prepare New York for a pandemic? Well, I want to talk about right? that a little bit because he, as of mid-March, still had the subway running. Yeah, he still had public transportation. Yep. He told people it's fine to go up; that this isn't a big deal. And what I want to really present to people too is that hindsight is always twenty twenty. Like right. you said, a Monday morning or a couch armchair quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, and those same news media outlets, those same stations, those same politicians that are bashing the president, they they told us the same thing. Mm. We didn't know. You go back a month back, we didn't know. Right. And so I think it's really, really a bad faith argument to be throwing stones after it's already said and done. Right. And that's, that's what I want to talk about. And also, the private sector has showed themselves to be the most capable of actually handling this. Yes. And the reason for that, obviously, is that these ventilators don't get made if there isn't competition. Correct. Ford, GM, yep. 3M, yep. these places know that there's going to be a boom for Correct. them if they make it. Yes. We know that there's there's so many companies, we see it every single day, of yep. a new company that says that they've reached a breakthrough mm-hmm. in finding the next step for towards that cure, mm-hmm. towards that vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. So we're seeing time and time again that the private sector is the only thing that's going to be able to tackle this for the better. Yes. And that is so vital. And I see I see Bernie Sanders, right? Senator yep. Bernie Sanders, who thank God dropped out, right? I'll right. give you a high five for that. But but he says the the I'll do I'll do my Bernie Sanders yeah. impression. He goes if we find a vaccine, it should be free for everyone. Yeah. And now explain to me this. Yeah. How in the world would the private sector continue to try for that vaccine if they know that there is absolutely nothing that they get out of it? Correct. 
So the so the free market yeah has the capability of getting these things done. Yes, and 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 um, it is the best that we have. We allow competition right to get us the best ventilator, the fastest, and the companies are all competing. And whichever company comes up with the cure, that company is going to make a lot of money. Oh yeah, that's why they're doing it. Right. Yeah. But according to what Sander is, well, it, you're not going to make any money. We just, we, yeah, we're, we're just going to do this for the good of the the, the, the people. Right. And uh, who's going to pay for it? Well, the government. Who's the government? Me and you. You. The yeah, taxpayer. that's exactly it. But it we, comes from our pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yes. never free. Nothing's, Nothing's free, free, Bernie. Okay. Yeah, uh, Senator. Uh, Sander, right? Nothing's free. Nothing's free. It's going to come from somebody. And every time I hear the senator said it's going to be free, I'm thinking it's coming out of my pocket. Right. Right. Well, and I want to talk Hard about Hardworking taxpayer. More taxes to cover because nothing is free. I nothing call them puppy is free. Policies. Yep. We can, we, can, we can sit here as politicians and we can try to promise people stuff, right? We can, we can promise them this, we can promise them that. Right. But at the end of the day, where is it coming from? It's coming from their pockets. Exactly. So then therefore, those promises, they're false promises yep. being made. And we can, we, I call them puppy policies because yep. of this. Everybody loves puppies, right? Right. Everybody loves a good, cute puppy. Yep. Now, somebody says, I'm going to give $10 million to make sure that we rescue the puppies. And now the next year, the other side obviously needs to be the champion of the puppies. Mm-hmm. So they're going to say, well, we're going to give $20 million. Yes. And then the next year, $30 million. Yep. People continue to make false promises based off of the fact that it's something that emotionally charges people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is going on right here in the modern day leftist yep. movement. Yep. Is they're, they're constantly shouting at the fact that we can give you more if only you give us more. Yes. And that is a, it's, that's the quickest way to that, get government total and complete control. That is how we end up with $23 trillion in that, right? Yep. Because you know what? Uh, you, 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 you earn it. You, you, you deserve it. Right. Uh, and it's free. And it's never free. We're, you and I, our children... Is gonna to have to pay for this four trillion dollar right. that that we are using right now as an emergency, right? Yeah, it's robbing Peter to pay Paul as well. Exactly, yeah. and it's it's not free, ladies and gentlemen that yep. are listening. Nothing is free. We're all gonna pay for it somehow. Right. And so we must only spend what we absolutely and uh, need to and necessary. Nothing beyond that, because any money that we promise free, we're gonna to have to take out of the hardworking American people's pocket. Out of their life, out of their, their 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 earnings, and 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 more taxes for the houses they they're, they're buying, uh, the cars that they're buying, we're gonna get it out of of people somehow, right. and we should not go out there and make promises about hey you know I can give you um, everything you want and it's not gonna cost anything. Yes, it will cost, and I hope that the the, the listener understand what you and I are talking about. And that uh, they do not fall into those type of promises. You know, um, Senator Sander to me is like Big Santa. That's uh, you know, he walks in, he say, "Ho, ho, ho! Everything I got <laughs> gifts for you." I've never heard that. And, one. Like yeah, that. yeah. You know, seriously, to me, every time uh, that's if he comes out and he goes, "It's free this and free that, and uh, uh, everything's free, and I, I can get it for you." Um, no, it's not. And um, he he doesn't understand that. Um, 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 when he when he goes out there and make these promises, uh, where is he gonna get the money from? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he said, "Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it from the take it from the super rich. You know, the super rich has all the money. You know, they have they can also afford to move. Well, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I say, well, um, yeah, I mean, uh, 
you, you know uh, these individuals that have worked very hard um, to get to where they are. Um, we allow them to keep the things they do. You know, the reason why, um, you know, we pay um, our quarterback that amount of money, right? $84 million. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> why? Because we want the best. And, and there's such a thing in this country. And we hope that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sean C- uh, Kirk Cousins, Cousin, yeah, yeah. Cousin um, you know, he, he uh, in his good heart, gives that money back. I'm pretty sure he play plenty of taxes as well. So um, that's what we're hoping for. But we cannot take Kirk Cousins' salary away because we're not going to get that type of a player. Right, and I want to talk about that a little bit. It sounds to me like you're a debt hawk. I am too. But at the federal level, you guys are are you're in a unique position versus yeah. the state level because yep. at the federal level, we'll, we'll, we are watching as the debt keeps racking up. Yep. And I want to remind our younger listeners that that debt will be paid back by us one way or another, whether yes. it's raising the retirement age, whether it's raising our taxes, whether it's needing to increase our GDP. These are things that we're going to have to think about come down the road because I'm sorry when people say that, oh, it's it's just federal debt. It, it's it's just a number now. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. There's substance behind that. And at a federal level, that's how you guys deal with it. Right. Whereas at the state level, we don't deficit spend. Right. So what's going to happen after this COVID crisis? And I'm, I'm watching as more policy proposals yep. are on the table at the state level. And people don't recognize that when we're in deficits, government always asks for more. Right. So what's going to happen next? I would, I would assume, and this is just a, a broad assumption, but I wouldn't put it past my opponent to, to uh, vote in favor of a wealth tax, to vote in favor of something that actually takes incentives and takes, it takes free market economies and it crashes them. Mm-hmm. There is no need for innovation if you're not going to if you're not going to profit off of it. So, I want to talk about that a little bit and you know, going back to Bernie Sanders, $15 minimum wage, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds so great. For everybody that's it's almost like you're trying to buy a vote mm-hmm. by saying, "Listen, if you if you like me, you're going to get more money in your pocket." But what happens after a $15 minimum wage? Well, now there's second and third third order effects. Those businesses aren't going to hire as many people. That that $15 is now going to be taxed more. There's going to be hyperinflation. Mm-hmm. Then after that, the $2 cheeseburger that you now buy at McDonald's is going to be $4. Yes. So what does that do to an economy? It, it, it's not sustainable. Correct. And I, I agree with you about, um, you know, I, trying to raise a minimum wage um, for people and say, well, you gotta, we got to bring these people up. Because unfortunately, in, in a competitive market like we are, the more money um, you give to Let's say you 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 raise the sa- the salary of employees, mm-hmm. and then you're raising the rent. Right. Then, then you're raising the 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 fast food. The, the everything buying, goes up. And everything goes up. Okay. So that doesn't do anything. Yes. That's but, the third order yep, effect. Yep. But uh, um, my solution at the federal level, mm-hmm. and I think this is what we need to do in order to to take care of the problem right after COVID nineteen. You know, under uh, the president, uh, we have more people work work than ever before, more job created, and that's the trend that we want. We right. we want the re re um, rejuvenization reju- rejuvenization of uh, revitalization revitalization yeah, that's what we're right for. <laughs> revitalizations of what the president did uh, in his three years, right after COVID nineteen, right. because we need to bring the jobs back, and as more people work. Right. We can shoulder the national deficit more, and then we need to tighten our belts. Difficult decision mm-hmm. um, that the, the, the government need to do. We must 
um, contain our, our, our expenditure. That's very important. And then as more people are, are working and we and hopefully all the money that uh, we are pouring, the four trillion that we're pouring into our our people right now, businesses and, and mom and pop uh, citizens, that the people we would encourage all of the citizen to spend that money, put that money back into back our into economy, right? And that we would have double the effort, right. more jobs than ever before uh, after COVID-19 and uh, re-elect the president and he brings back the economy and our economy is booming and is double um, earning and uh, uh, people are making so much money, right. we, can, we can start tackling our national debt. So the answer is putting America back to work as soon as possible. That's very important. The longer we stretch this out, um, we're, we're going to suffer as, as, as much. Mm -hmm. And I will put into this comparison, right? So what when we, this is like a war, the virus is like a war. You and I are asked to go and fight a war and then our house is burning. When we come back, there's no house left, right? right? We need to do both, right? We need to put out the fire and still fight this fight. And then we need to balance it. And I think that the president is doing a good job to say, I'm going to set out these parameters to protect uh, the national safety. But then it's up to the governor now for you to craft each of your state because in locality, they can make that decision better. Right. So the Minnesota need to craft our way out of this as quickly as possible. And I hope that we do. Because the sooner we get people back to work and they start making money and we start contributing to our economy and people start making money again, that's the only way we're going to be able to deal with a, a national deficit. Because uh, if we don't stop the national deficit, as you know, um, you know people like uh, communist country, like China, uh, that are buying our, our debt, our debt um, they're going to control us. Right. And, and so we're falling right into that 900 trap. 900 billion. Right? Right. That's what they have. Nine hundred yeah, billion. Exactly. So, so we need to do something um, to counter the pandemic, uh, to uh, keep people safe. But then we need to get our people back to work as soon as possible. Keep the distancing. Of Put course. Put the mask on. Yeah. Whatever we need to do. Mitigating but steps. But we need right. to get back to work because it is working and competition that make that make us who we are. And uh, we've not been competing because of the pandemic. And look what happened. Right. Yeah. This is what happened when a communist country take over the United States. It does. This is exactly does. what's going to happen well. to it. And then everybody look up to the government and more bail out. And, and what is the left asking right now? They want to bail out the government. What did we or the conservative do? We are trying to bail out the businesses, the mom and pop that made this country, that are creating dreams, okay? They are generating income to pay for the for the bill that, that that we must pay for America. Government does not uh, create wealth. It's company and individual and business that creates wealth. And it is wealth that's gonna get our way out of this uh, um, national deficit that, that we're in, or allowing competition to, to cure our um, out of control um, medical premium in this country. Right, right. Allowing everybody to compete in a fair uh, uh, field, uh, with good referees, and we, that's how we're going to cure the, the the ills in America. How we bring America back to make sure that America is the envy of the world. That we're going to show the world that we, you know, we can go in a um, couple of months lockdown and come back stronger and uh, create more jobs than anything before. And I hope all the American people 
you know, whether the president said not, and, and if I was honored enough to be elected, I will be singing your song, asking all of you to help America. Right. Right. We love this country and the money that the, you, the president and the, and the Congress gave to us. We're going to spend that money. We're going to put that money back into our system. That's what stimulus okay? is. Yep. And we're going we're gonna to employ people. And we, we encourage our company to employ people just like um, what they're doing right now to find a cure. Right. right? And that we um, turn this horrible pandemic into an opportunity and that we're going to turn this thing around. And, and the people around the world are watching how we are going to um, reconquer freedom. And that's what we need. And, it, and, and I believe that we're going to be able to do that um, with President Trump's experience and his, um, um, his, his uh, skills and wisdom and knowledge and experience in um, uh, creating job for America. Right. I, I think uh, if we can uh, put him back in office um, and that he continue to what he does, and elect uh, like-minded people like myself that supports his visions and uh, what we need to do in America to keep America safe, uh, to keep America great. We're going to have a better country uh, to, uh, to, to live in and that we're going to be proud of ourselves because uh, we did what is necessary um, to uh, protect America and to protect our freedom. Right. And I want to talk a little bit about something that you brought up. And I know we're obviously a little bit crunched yeah. for time, but we'll, right. we'll, uh, we'll be brief. But going back to how it's going about our state, right? What, what are we looking at? What, how, are we, how are we doing this? And I'm actually having an op-ed come out here soon in, yeah. uh, in the press publications. And I talk about the fact that there's this all or nothing approach that people seem to be taking that everything should be shut or everything should be open. And I think that a lot of times people see things in terms of black and white. Mm -hmm. And what we really should be doing is looking at a shade of gray. And right now it doesn't make sense that people can go to Walmart, Target, Costco, Sam's Club, what have you, these major corporations, but they right. can't buy those exact same products from a mom pa shop. Mm -hmm. So I think that right now what we're looking at is statewide, we're having a really hard time figuring out what that shade of gray is. Mm -hmm. And we need to we need to course correct, right? right. So the best the best leaders of all time are able able right. to course correct. They see right. what, what data is being being shown. They look at the original stats and they say, okay, are these actually playing out in real time? Mm -hmm. And if they're not, then we need to come up with better data. Mm -hmm. We need to come up with better mitigating steps and we need to come up with new resolutions to how we're going to fight this pandemic. Right. And I don't see a whole lot of that going on right now. It's a lot of moving the goalposts. Right. So what needs to happen is we need to make sure that these livelihoods, that these dreams, that these these jobs are retained. We need to have a business to open up to right. once we do open up. Right. And that's been my, uh, my biggest critique is that, you know, people make the bad faith argument that it's either the economy or lives. They constantly say, oh, you either care about the economy or you care about lives. Mm -hmm. that's, that's bad faith in and of itself. And the right. reason I say that is because in wake of the 2008-2009 uh, recession, we saw 10,000 suicides. 10,000 mm -hmm. suicides. 10,000 mm -hmm. people losing their lives because of the, the dreams, the livelihoods, and their inability to be able to even put food on the right. table. People fall when they're being told that they can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening right in front of our eyes. I talk to people at the White Bear Food Shelf, at the Hugo Food Shelf, mm -hmm. and they say that they've seen two times as many families in need of their services. Mm -hmm. that's, those are families that need food on the table. They can't mm -hmm. do it right now. We see other instances, people, people saying, well, here goes my business. I've had it for 45, 50 years. It's going under, and, and this is because of, because of this. So we need to be able to course correct, and that's what I'm really urging is that it... it 
it seems like it might be a little too late. Mm-hmm. We're watching as these businesses are closing their doors. Right. And we're watching as livelihoods are being lost. Right. And we, we need to help them yeah. first and foremost. So to me, you know, we uh, here in Minnesota went into a shutdown because the justification is that we need to give uh, the state and the hospital um, time to uh, manufacture, put these beds together, and to prepare enough ventilator, and da da da. The right. list goes on, right? right? That's the justification for the the thirty days. Um, it was not to prevent uh, the um, um, the number of cases. No, no, uh, no. We, simply we do to not, prepare. It's just simply so that we would not be overwhelmed. Right. Okay. And yet, okay, as we are looking at the data right now. Um, all of the majority, uh, the majority of the deaths are coming from senior center right. and and uh, um, um, which is horrible. Uh, in and living, of itself. It's right, right, right. So, so it's from the senior community, right? right. Um, and 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 organization. Um, why did we not put our emphasis on those facility first? Right. That should be somebody ought to be asking that questions. And when we first went into a lockdown. What did they state? What did they state do to prevent the deaths from those senior center? Because if you took out all of those deaths, you minimize those deaths, we wouldn't have the pandemic that we have right now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because yep. we would have been able to stop the spread. We would have tested everyone that works at senior center, right? Uh, senior cares, tested all of the employees, tested everybody, and, and locked that down and prevent the, the infection from spreading. We didn't do that. I, I don't. I mean, I, I have yet to see that someone actually did that. Now we're using those numbers to justify what we're doing right now right. and the shade of gray of what we need to do because you know we don't know if uh, this number is going to climb today. We've got the largest climb number, but where are all these numbers coming from? All these numbers are coming from the senior care, right? Right, senior housing. Yep. And uh, if we would have put our effort into that, then we would know what to do. But to me. I don't think it's all shut down or all closed. Right. Right. We need to we need to have common sense. Right. If we have to mask, then we mask. Right. You know, if I put on a mask and you have uh, you have uh, there's no proof, of course, that uh, but but it helps. Right. 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 That's why we we follow the the doctor's recommendation, the expert's recommendation. Mm -hmm. And we put on a mask and we do all this distancing and then we uh, sanitize everything and we're very careful. We can still do a lot of things. Correct. Right. And that's how my, my Instead job right of, now yeah. is going. That's right. And I'm sure you've seen it. That's right. But this is, this is the bad faith argument in this is that if we say these things, they say, well, you, you don't care about lives then because we know overwhelmingly. Yes, we do. There's, 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 there's yep. blatant proof. Now the who is even saying it? The World yep. Health Organization, going back to them, they now say that the, probably the best model to, to go after is Sweden's. And Sweden never locked down. Yes. They said if you're over the age of 60 or you have pre-existing conditions, shelter in place. Mm-hmm. But other than that, go about your business. We'll reach herd immunity. Right. And now the World Health Organization is looking and saying, well, that's probably the model that we should have used. Well, so that that's that's okay. It's mm-hmm. hindsight's 2020. We said that. So right. I'm not going to cast a stone at that. But what I, what I will cast a stone at is that the goalpost constantly keeps moving. Originally, it was we need this number of, of ICU beds. We need this number of ventilators. We need to make sure that we're prepared for this. Right. And then we were. And then it was we need to be able to test 5,000 times a day. And then Mayo Clinic, U of M said, yep, we can. And then it was, nope, 40,000 times a day, and we need a contact trace. So the, the goalpost keeps moving. Right. And it's impossible to reach it if it's always moving. And what I, what I want to say is that, listen, we, we can do these things. We can wear a mask, and we can socially distance. Right. We can practice these things. 
in in a very sensible manner and still be profitable still be engaging in commerce still be engaging in in um you know purchasing of goods because if we don't we're gonna we're gonna see a lot more effects people have yet to ask uh 3m how are they able to manufacture uh millions of masks and yet i've not heard a breakout at 3m Notice that I want to ask all. I'm going to ask you the question. To all I love of, that. All, I want to ask all of the listeners: How come 3M can manufacture millions and millions of products that we need, including the N95, right. and yet they don't have an outbreak? And how come um, no one here in Minnesota is studying what 3M is doing to make sure that everyone else is following 3M, so that we do not have to shut down at our pork processing plants um, um, down south. Okay, I mean, I mean, I mean, and someone dropped the ball here because it looks like all these manufacturing company are, are still right. are doing it right, and they're able to maintain this, still manufacture and keep everybody working. All the medical necessity things are still able to to uh, to um, produce products for us and uh, and help us fight this this uh, virus. Uh, but uh, um, I, I'm, I read the paper every day. I'm, I'm looking to see uh, if anyone is going to ask 3M, how are you guys able to maintain your facility so safe and there is no outbreak? Because according to um, everyone else, you guys should have have a you shouldn't have been at work at all, right? Right. Well, but if, but you're but you're working yeah. because of necessity. But yet you're able to maintain your employees' health. And why are you able to do that? And, and we should have uh, talked to 3M, study from them, and use that uh, experience to teach other people to do the same. I'm saying, based on what is happening at 3M, that they're able to manufacture and produce millions of products without having an br- outbreak, we should be able to reopen our state. Now, if 3M, all of the employees got sick, no matter what they do, Something's then yeah. I understand. Right. But until I see that evidence, also, I want to see what we have done to prevent all of this outbreak at our senior center. And mm-hmm. when when should we have done? Because if we would have prevented from all our senior from, from this explosion, for, from uh, the infection. We wouldn't have the number that are scaring us today, watching it every day goes, well, this many senior people passed away, right? Those are the hard questions I want, I want the audience to ask our governor. It's fair ask question. They were very tough on our president. Right. We ought to be very tough on our governors. Right. What have you done and what have you learned to prevent and allow us to reopen? Not simply say, well, I'm going to shut this uh, state down for this number of uh, days so that um, uh, we can get our uh, beds, ICU bed uh, to be caught up. Right. We have enough time now that if we want, we are just creating beds we should have those beds by now right right well and this is also what i would talk about too is that people pretend as if costco target sam's club walmart the virus just stops at the door people are conglomerating in, in crowds of 200 plus yes but yet we can't go to the ma and pa shop to get those exact same yep. articles we're, we're we're telling people yep to go to the most localized areas and that's where i feel people don't so, people don't look at it and, and Elliot, let's talk about walmart you and I, we've been shop- we shopped at Walmart. How many people got sick shopping at Walmart? How come we, how come we don't track, track that? If we've been going to Walmart for, for almost two months now, right. 
Uh, the, we we would have we should have a major problem coming out of Walmart. How come we didn't have? I mean, I I, I want to see that. And if if we can go to Walmart for two months and not have problems, why are we are still at a shutdown? Right. Right. Fair. Fair. It's a fair question. question and this is fair. this is what I want to pose too: is that a lot of people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, "Look, they don't care. Look, they're they're they're." taking the evidence and they're throwing it away and they're acting based off of their own decisions. And I want to I want to push back against that because there's like I, like we said there's a shade of gray that we're yes. after. And we obviously are so thankful for our healthcare workers. We are so thankful that they are out there every single day putting their lives at risk to make sure that we're okay. We're so thankful for the the food suppliers. The, the the supply chains, the everybody from the truck driver to the pizza delivery guy, right. we're thankful for them. And we need to address that as well and say, look at who is propping up this nation in a time of need. It's the private sector. Yes. And who's taking care of us? It's the private sector. The, the, you know, the, if we look back to the government, we look back at what the government's function truly is. And I truly believe that if all men were angels, we wouldn't need government. Yep. But men aren't. So we have government. We have those referees. And they're doing the best that they can. But we shouldn't be able to let the referee call a good play a foul. Yes. And that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing good actors, people that we can trust, mm -hmm. the people up the road that sell things, the people up the road that own a business. They're saying, we don't trust you, but we trust these guys. I want people to remember that. Government can claim who they trust and who they don't. And right now, they're not trusting the mom and shops as much as they are Costco, Target, and Walmart. And right. that's playing favorites. Right. That's being a bad referee. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It is. Yes. Well, that's. I think that that's a perfect place to leave it. But any any closing thoughts? Let's talk a little bit about, you know, let's talk on a on a brighter subject, on a more positive. Yeah. What have you done this this uh, this quarantine that's <clears throat> been fun for you? I know mine was watching Tiger King. It was yeah. one of the craziest shows I've ever watched. I've also uh, yep. been really into working out and trying to get better at different things. I touched up on some of my Spanish that I learned way back in high school. But what have you been up to during this quarantine? Yeah, so I, I still, as a lawyer, I still have to keep uh, everything moving. Mm -hmm. um, although the court is shut down right now, right. we are still um, have to maintain the files so that when when the court uh, opens up again, You're ready to um, go. that we're ready to go. And I work so in that. I'm a prosecution assistant, yeah, so that's I, right. I've worked with yep. that as well. Yeah. So I've been busy uh, making sure that my files and my witnesses and everything is ready. Um, um, but uh, I've also uh, spent a lot of time um, talking to my relatives, you know, right. just um, people that I didn't have time to, to call. I, I've called all of, across the country, uh, tell them about my um, run for Congress and uh, let them know a little bit about why I'm running, like what you and I are talking about, right. um, sharing ideas and, and what we need to do um, to uh, maintain our lives and, uh, and, and safety at the same time. So I've, I've really um, I've spent a lot of time uh, with my relatives and friends, um, friends that, that I've not contacted for a very long time. Right. Uh, this, uh, so there's uh, some pause. blessings out of this. Yeah, there's the blessings. pause he gave me. Right. And, and, and uh, in terms of my immediate family, I spent a lot more time with my wife than ever right. before. I'm sure um, she's ready for you to get back out on the road, no, get no, on the campaign yeah. trail. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, so, I know my girlfriend is. That, that's is, right. So like, I just oh want to let you know that I... Uh, it's uh, it's a curse, but it's at the it's a bad time, but it's also uh, giving me an, uh, more time to be with my immediate family, 
you know, a, a spending time with yeah. um, my children every day. Every day I wake up, everyone's home. Right. And then when we go to sleep, everyone's home. Yeah. And everyone sees everyone. So that's a good side of thing. But um, we need to get back to work. Right. Um, because, uh, uh, you know, we, we need to keep our country going. Um, we need uh, uh, to be able to be free. And, and that, that's what I started this conversation in the first place. It's about our freedom, right? What's happening with us when uh, this virus came in, we all lost our freedom. And during this very difficult time, um, we have the government now telling everyone what to do. And, uh, you know, let that sink in for those young children uh, that grew up in this country, millennials, um, you call them. Gen Z, um, they, they, whatever they, it is, yeah. They, they, if you don't know what a communist country is like, um, um, you know, pay attention to it now because this is what it feels like, and it's worse. And Wait, it doesn't doesn't it doesn't go away. Think about all the people in China and how they feel. They they don't feel they don't get to speak out the way we do here. Mm. Okay, you and I will be in um, a lot of trouble uh, talking against the government, and they won't allow anything like this for us to come out and share what we think and. Uh, and what our solution uh, uh, is to or the, the, the problem. So um, um, that's what I want everyone to, to think about. And, and um, I'm very happy to be an American. Um, um, my people, the Hmong, paid a heavy price to be here. And um, this COVID is nothing but a temporary um, stop. Um, it's going to teach us a lot of things. It's going to teach us to appreciate the freedom that we have have the the ball oh, games that. that we can go to oh, we'd be so happy you know, to get to those. you know you know going to the restaurants or going to a dance or a club yeah. hanging out together you, you know uh, um we're gonna appreciate those things when we're able to do them again so much more because we've lost it right uh, like like when i lost my freedom in in laos and it came back and i reinvented and uh, achieved the american dream in this country and that feeling um um, I appreciate so much more. Right. I appreciate freedom so much more. I'm more willing to die and, and defend it because I, I know what it feels like when I lose my freedom. And I'm asking all the listeners to take in what's happening to us right now. And the, there's a place for the government, um, but there's too much government. Um, we will lose our freedom. And, and then we will live in a... a, a police state, uh, no. government state. And that's that. something that we do not want, Elliot. No. And that's why um, I'm running. That's why, that's why we're I'm, fighting. I'm sharing with that's you. That's why we're running. That's where we're fighting. That's why we're pushing. And we want people to understand our position on how to best run this country and still keep it safe and still keep, keep it free. And that's, that's um, my that's vision exactly and, and goal. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, with that note, for what it's worth, you got my endorsement. Right. Thank you, you so mine. much, Elliot. So thank you so yep. much. It's been a pleasure being able to talk with you. Right. And uh, people can find you at shialo.com, I'm sure. Yep. And so people can uh, find me at shialo for the letter for Congress. That's so perfect. Go check him out, guys. Yep. Go donate yep. his, his cause, his beliefs. They're in line with, with the conservative movement. They're in line with a pro-America agenda. They're in line yep. with a pro-Minnesota agenda. And that's what we're all trying to do. So... Thank you so much for listening. Yep. Thank you so much for being here. Yep. And, and uh, thank you, God bless everybody. Yeah, God bless. Bye bye.